0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, and welcome to the History of the Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. Tonight we're going to be taking a look at a very interesting man at a very interesting time by the name of Mikhail Sedzavoy in Polish and also in his Latin term, better known as Michael Sendevogius. Michael Sendevogius was born in 1566 and died in 1636. He was known as an alchemist, a philosopher, and a medical doctor. He came from a very noble family that was part of a clan called Ostoya. This interesting clan uh, had a very unique characteristic about about them. The Astoria clan had was very focused on choosing their members rather than putting an emphasis on the true bloodlines. Michael Sidivogius, uh studied in Vienna, Altdorf, Le- Leipzig, as well as Cambridge, so he did a lot of traveling uh, for his studies. His acquaintances are kind of a who's who, including John Dee and Edward Kelly. In the 1590s, he was active in Prague at the very famously open-minded court of none other than Rudolf II.
0: Our favorite here at uh, History of Alchemy podcast, right? A maybe very even, open-minded. Maybe emperor, in, yes. Bohemian
1: podcast as well.
0: Yeah, we've done episode on, on Rudolf II, so you guys should definitely check that out. But he he was also in, because we mentioned he's Polish, so he was also appeared at the court of the Polish king Sigismund III around 1600, and he was very famous at his time, so he was the Polish king as well as Rudolf II, the, the
1: Holy Roman Emperor. Were themselves kind of alchemists or
0: alchemy enthusiasts.
1: So they're very enamored with with a set of at the time. I, I think that mm-hmm. that was uh, one of his, one of his issues that he, if you can actually placate to the kings and the emperors, you're going to have a pretty healthy life.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He kind of played the system. I mean, we'll we'll get into that, but he was definitely well known among royalty and, and nobility and such. One thing I like to to, to look at. With these alchemists, was if they really did some science or not, and because uh, he was he was an alchemist in the truest form. So he actually uh, he had very practical matters of turning something into gold. Okay, but he he did actually um, develop ways of purifying and creating various acids, which is also important in, in alchemy, um, and purifying metals and other chemical compounds. He discovered that air is not a single substance and contains life-giving substance, which we would call oxygen, and 170 years later, similar discoveries were made by people like, like Scheele and, and Priestley. Uh, he correctly identified this food of life with the gas, which, you know, oxygen, given off by heating nitre, which is saltpetre. This substance, the central nitre is what he called it, had a central posi- position in Sedzivoy's kind of scheme of the universe. So it played a central role. In sixteen oh four, Sendivogius' most important work, based on like most important work based on the number of editions, which is fifty six editions until seventeen eighty seven, has been published as De lapide Philosophorum
1: Tacticus Duodecim. Okay, was that French or Latin? I'm not sure. <laughs> it was Latin in a French accent, I think is what you're trying to say. De la
0: pide, for, yeah. Um, the, the treatise was up. printed in, yeah. The treatise was printed in, I'm sure it was Latin, but I just, yeah. you know, pardon my pronunciation. The treatise was print, printed in Prague and its title was changed to Novum Lumum Chimicum in later editions. Uh, the 12th tract explains that uh, the origin of heat would be motion. So, for instance, motion causes water to rise as steam, which is interesting. Kinetic, kinetic energy—that's right? basically true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Eventually, the Habsburg Emperor Rudolf II granted him land in Bohemia and Moravia, where he later settled. Uh, he became lured to the court of Duke Friedrich Württemberg uh, of Stuttgart in 1605, who had noticed Sendivogius's claim in *De Lapide Philosophisorum uh, to possess the secret of the philosopher's stone. So. Here's the concept that he is so well-known at this point mm-hmm. as an alchemist that was successful at making this happen, yeah. making gold. Yeah. All right. So. Like, supposedly he had done it.
0: I mean, he, he, he had the secret.
1: So. And at this point, could you be even more of a rock star? No, you can't. All right. So th- this guy is known. The guy that can make money? The guy man. that can make money. So the Duke put Cinevogius in prison. Why not? You're going to keep the guy that made gold mm-hmm. in prison under your watchful eye. But here's the problem. Sigismund the, the Third from Poland, Rudolf II, the Holy Roman Emperor, mm-hmm. and several other German princes intervened, and Friedrich grew very alarmed. Yeah. All right, so if you can think about this going, okay, I think I've overstepped my bounds here, mm-hmm. and I know I'm, I'm the big big A deal in Stutt- yeah. Stuttgart, but when the Holy Roman Emperor says, you got to let him go, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? Well, this is what he thought. He arranged for Senevogius to escape. And put the blame on his very own court alchemist Heinrich Muhlenfelds. Mullenfels was then condemned to die. So, can you see the drama here playing out? <laughs> so, so Cinevogius gets gets let free. The blame goes but to outright. somebody else. not outright.
0: You know, they they arranged an escape, right? So it's like a sneaky way to. So, so yeah, he's, he's can't just let him go. Can't let him go. Yes. He's got to somehow
1: make it make it happen himself. Yeah. So. He put the blame on his. Uh, Friedrich put the blame on his own alchemist and cut, basically covered his own tail with other powers that be in, in, in Europe breathing down his neck. So he got a situation where Sinovius is now on the run, on the lamb, trying to probably make his way back to friendlier territory. Yeah, as the alchemist who who has knowledge of the philosopher's stone.
0: Yeah, very uh, kind of interesting story. I mean, there's there's other parts to his life that because he wasn't just an alchemist per se but but being in these different courts some say that he was he was perhaps there as a spy in one court or the other so that that he might have been sent by the emperor to you know say to sigismund to his homeland to S- sigismund iii and at other points in his life he was married to ferdinand ii uh, to two of his sisters at different points he wasn't a polygamist but so he also had some kind of diplomatic Tasks or errands, let's say, such as he negotiated Poland's access to the Black Sea. You know, he negotiated this with the Habsburgs, right? So, so
1: um, yeah, I mean, he which, had, which is, by the way, no small task at the, at the at the time. Many many countries, including including the time of of, of the Russian power, mm-hmm. considered the Black Sea theirs, and that mm-hmm. was you know for for a lot of people, other than the uh, the other parts of seagoing areas, the Black Sea was was supposed to be someplace where you can get a lot of wealth and and trade going on so kudos to him he yeah good, good diplomatic maneuver but he, i mean
0: he had the year of the king had the year of the emperor so it's you know why not why not try to make some diplomatic arrangements here eventually uh, he 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 lived in you know kind of the, the beginning of the 30 years war and then obviously the priorities shifted from trying to create gold to trying to win battles and um at he was one of the biggest landowners in Bohemia. That's how much Rudolf II loved him. You know, think about Rudolf II, right? This is the alchemist emperor. But by the time he died, he kind of fell in obscurity and uh, was even poor at some at some points. He was the court alchemist to Rudolf's successor, six, but you know, as soon as the Thirty Year War hit, that was that was it for him. Not to mention he was he was a Catholic, and you know, had to kind of watch which side of of the law he's on and, or which side of the war he's on but his great work and le- legacy is called a new light of alchemy and originally published in 1605 and this is it's interesting i've 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 read parts of this book in a book ca- called the alchemist reader it's written in an alchemical language so even if you can read it it's still basically only un- understandable by by other alchemists and, and i'll kind of go into that a little bit but It's funny because in the book he's like, so here's the importance of the philosopher's stone. And um, here's how you make it in vague terms. And here's, okay, now let me tell you exactly how to do it. And he writes it down and it is not clear at all. Because when I talk about alchemical language, like if they say mercury, we know what mercury is. But to an alchemist, that's not Case in fact, there's a there's an interesting story that I'll mention in a, in a little bit here. But but mercury is not just quicksilver. It could mean pure mercury. It could be the way to make philosopher's stone. But it might have nothing to do with what we would call mercury, like the element. Same thing with gold. Gold is not always gold. So so, so do we have a, a
1: type of Rosetta
0: stone here to decipher to this?
1: This, yeah uh, you type can, of language you can
0: you can get into these yes and no because because um you 'd have to yeah you 'd have to understand a lot of the assumptions that alchemists work okay. with, so a lot of just just their basis of reality is very very different, so like for instance, and this gets very strange very quickly but but he would talk about gold even pure gold not being pure gold. So they do not understand an element the way we would understand an element. So he, they would say that all metal is one substance, okay? So copper is, is, or let's say tin is unripe copper, and copper is unripe silver, and silver is unripe gold. And it's, you know, it's basically in the womb of earth. And as soon as it comes in contact with air, it stops ripening. So... And gold is unripe gold to the point where the philosopher 's stone is pure gold to the point that it is so pure that it can make it 's like it 's like a fruit that has seed, so you can make more gold with it so and that is I am simplifying it so much right now like i 'm trying to make this understandable on, on some level but so so he's he 's saying like okay, so if you get gold that is probably the purest metal, but if you want the philosopher's stone, you want gold that can make gold, you need to ripen it even more. How do you do that? Well, good thing you're asking an alchemist, because in an alchemist's lab, that's where you would do this. So basically, you want to ripen the gold in natural ways, like you would, you would heat it for 10 months, you know, mix it with mercury, give it, you know, the right conditions that you would find in the earth, and the earth, by the way, is a windy and porous place, so not like Earth that we know of. I mean, this is. A, I don't see a lot of something science,
1: in, science. Right. So this
0: is more like, and yeah. you know, kind of a science fiction kind of, yeah. you know, like center, center of the Earth kind of philosophy. But but you
1: know, I, I can I can be a fly on the wall here and listening to him maybe tell this to Rudolph II. All right, uh, Your Highness, Holy, Holy Roman Emperor, um, gold is everywhere. It's just mm-hmm. in different forms, different different eras of of, of pressure and time and 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 connection to the elements that make it gold what it is. But I can tell you what, I can make it for you. So if you can give me some nice land in Bohemia yeah. <laughs> and make sure I get fed every night and protect me from my, my enemies, uh, I'll keep working for you. I'll keep working on it. it it's, oh, yeah, a and first of all, maybe? here's the thing. <laughs> well, here's the thing that made alchemy such, such a
0: great thing for, for all these people to practice is because you want me to make you gold? You want me to make you the Philosopher's Stone? I need gold to do it. uh uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Then, well, how's it coming? Well, hold on. I need to heat it for 10 months. So ask me again in 10 months, okay? So right there, just from those two things I've said, (laughs) and and it gets way more complex than that. So, oh, yeah, I got gold, but do you happen to have some mercury on you? And no, 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 not that mercury. So we also know through history
1: that there's a limit, and even Rudolph II from our previous episodes had a limit where he said, okay, it's been several years, dudes. Where's the Mm -hmm. gold? Uh, well, you see, here's the problem, <laughs> you know, and yep. that didn't fly. So, yep. um, so yeah, I think there probably was a limit. But, but th- while the getting was good, looked yeah. like he got he got along okay.
0: Now, this is yeah, this is actually it's important to note because Rudolph II did kill a lot of the alchemists, but this is the one that got away. This is the one that actually, because according to one story, he actually had a tiny bit of philosopher's stone powder from someone named Seton. I, I, I couldn't Alexander Seton. I, I could not. Find anything else on this alchemist, but the only time I could find something on this alchemist is from this story. So this is the alchemist that was imprisoned by someone, and he had some philosopher's stone powder, and it was actually like the, like the church or someone that that arrested the Seton uh, for occult practices and uh, Sendivogius freed him, and in thanks, right before he died, he gave him some of this powder. So Sendivogius was the man that had created gold. He was the man with the philosopher's stone, so he was like proof that alchemy is real at the time. Um, of course, he still died a poor man in obscurity, so, you know, what does that tell you? But, but in, you know, this was, in his lifetime, he was just incredibly famous and, and rich from royal you know, salaries and whatnot. Now, he was influenced by Ramon lul Who's important because we'll do an episode on him. He's he's a really interesting character, and Bernardo's Trevisanos. So yeah, it, it gets funny. I, I'm reading an interesting story right now. It's so there's this alchemist, and he he goes a bit loony. So he, which you know, if you if you're dealing with evaporated mercury, it's you're, that's wont to happen. The thing is, so he's in the story that Sendivogius wrote. It's an alchemist, and he's like he's he's talking to his equipment because, like I mentioned. Mercury is not just Mercury, right? So here's the alchemist and he's talking to his Mercury. And then the book is like a dialogue of, you know, his Mercury and the alchemist and he's and he's like, "So, are you are you Mercury or is there another?" And he's like, well, I am surely, I surely am Mercury. And he's like, yeah, but is there is there another Mercury? Like, are you the purest form? And he's like, I am Mercury, but there is another Mercury, you know. And and uh, so I mean, clearly, the alchemist kind of goes loony. And and just to you know, so gold is not always gold, Mercury is not always Mercury, you know. Even if you're talking about like if we say the four elements, like Earth, Air, Fire, Water, those mean very different things to alchemists. But I'll we'll go into that in a different. Different episode as well, uh, even after he died, he had a huge influence in, in alchemy
1: as a as a field his, his name his name didn 't disappear in history, of course, as we 're talking about it today, but it was it was something that was influential for many people, including Sir Isaac Newton, uh, who had read his work and known pretty much a little bit of this chemical language that he was talking about mm-hmm. so it 's something that kind of went through the centuries along with him after his his, you know, his kind of quiet sort of pauper's death, he, he still lived on from, his, from Even his work. today, if there's a fictional, especially in Polish literature, he's often mentioned in, in fiction. So it's, it's, he's still around. He, in, and very well known in Poland. Yeah. Uh, and specifically in Krakow, uh, near the uh, Wawel Castle, which is, which is right on the bend. If you're actually going through Krakow, an absolutely beautiful city. Pretty much the antithesis of Warsaw. I don't want to upset people from Warsaw it's it, Warsaw is a kind of a, one of those really developing cities uh, in, in Europe and doing a great job. However, if you want a really classical viewpoint of, of a Polish city, it would be Krakow. And it's right along the Wisla River. At the biggest bend in the turn of the river, you will see the Wawel Castle and the Wawel Cathedral. And in the Wawel Castle, today to, it still exists today, it's a chamber where his experiments were performed. And it's still kept... Pretty much intact. So kind of a neat thing to do if you're ever in southern Poland to go see this. It's an amazing area. So really to kind of sum up uh, the life that we talk about today, he had very important influences both in the court among the Poles and among the Habsburgs. He even had some German princes on his side. He moved in very uh, interesting circles, much like Edward Kelly and infamous scientists of, of his day. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that uh, he probably lived an uh, interesting life within these circles. So, you know, he had a very practical way of making gold, if you can consider it practical and if you can consider it understandable. If you can read it, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> if you could buy what he was selling, actually. Uh, but I, I think that his influence was pretty important upon the alchemist family of learned scholars and, of course, was very influential even after his time.
0: And in today's episode, a lot of the information I got from the alchemist reader from uh, Stanton J. Linden, which had excer- excerpts of New Light of Alchemy and this, this other story I was reading where he's talking, you know, the guy goes loony and talks to, to his equipment. Um, and again, like, it's actually, it's in plain English, you know, but every word has a double meaning. Like, mercury is not just mercury and gold isn't just gold. So you, you're just, you're, it's like reading a recipe. It's only like two pages long. But it's not what it seems. Well, so
1: we haven't really quite figured it out. Are yeah, you wearing a gold jacket right now. I mean, I'm not. when I tried, <laughs> I basically
0: burnt my kitchen down, and my <laughs> wife won't talk to me anymore, and I kind of stinged my dog a little. So I, um, I don't
1: say, you know what, Travis? Don't give up. I, I have faith that you're going to figure this out. Yeah, that? Mm-hmm. and when you do, we can take the podcast to a whole new little level. Right? Um, when we do that, I'm we going can to have an retire... assistant that might help us edit. Oh, not. <laughs> we can yeah, hire somebody. Yeah, you're an editor. Great gold yeah. that we have. Um, well,
0: first thing is I'm, I'm hiring a researcher. I'm, I'm done reading books. <laughs> well, anyways, if if you want to read more about Sendivogius and other alchemists and, and um, occult philosophies, please uh, stop by historyofalchemy.com. If you have any questions, corrections, ideas for, for other episodes you'd like to hear about, email us at podcast at historyofalchemy.com and find us on Facebook. Let's get a discussion going on some of these recipes here under History of Alchemy Podcast. We'd
1: love to hear from you as well as their sister podcast, Bohemican.com. And at Bohemican.com, we've got pretty much everything you want to know about uh, Czech Republic, at least from the standpoint from an American expat sort of viewpoint. Uh, Living here abroad is an amazing journey. So please take a look at uh, Bohemican.com. We'd love to have you there. So we'll be back every two weeks. Thanks for listening. Yep, thanks very much.